This is the Umbrella Academy Season 2 on TV Podcast Industries. We're discussing Season 2, Episode 3, The Swedish Job. Look, we've been organizing this sit-in for months. When Kennedy gets here, so do the cameras. Now is the time to show the world what it is really like for us down here. And to show the police that we will not be bullied into submission. We will continue to fight for equality, even in the face of persecution. With or without Ray. Because we're ready. All in favor. There it is. Behind every man. And we're back, fellow Academy alumni. This is TV Podcast Industries. Once again, we're discussing The Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 3, The Swedish Job. I'm still your host, Derek. I'm still your other host, Chris. And rounding out the group, I'm still one of your other hosts, John. (laughs) This season has been so much fun to watch so far. I'm really excited to get into discussing Episode 3 of the show. Uh, Really good fun to to, uh, understand what's been going on with the characters as we go into the, into this season and see them back in the sixth season scene, uh, how they're interacting with the world around them this time. been really cool. Yes, and we get so many good IKEA references for the Swedish people in this episode. <laughs> I'm so happy. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's another really good uh, episode for me, for sure, uh, just straight off the bat. Um, but uh, yeah, the Swedish job. Mm-hmm. They are creepy though um i think it was in the last episode where you know we do see him in a f- tight white briefs which are dare i say it uh, a bit like the the paint that uh klaus goes in to get are slightly off-white they are yes. and for sure <laughs> eggshell yes eggshell briefs i don't think you're gonna be buying a pair of this <laughs> i kind of like that reference though um in in the diy store mm-hmm. the fact that yes yeah, someone from the 60s would be like off what why would you want off-white absolutely and even the idea that a, that a paint shop wouldn't have the color white that's pretty much a guarantee now isn't it that everybody would have <laughs> white paints right so that would be pretty much the standard anywhere but we do want to hear your thoughts about the episodes we're so glad you're joining us for our podcasts about Umbrella Academy. We want to hear your thoughts about the season as you're watching it. So email us to feedback at TV Podcast Industries with any thoughts you have about any of the episodes uh, that you're watching as you go. Just mark it with the episode number uh, so that we can fit it into the right uh, discussion section i suppose for our feedback uh which we'll be t- discussing uh in our future episodes and uh, we're watching these ahead of time so uh, from episode four onwards hopefully we'll have some feedback in uh from you guys about the episodes but let's get into the swedish job season two episode three uh, episode once again was directed by the wonderful stephen sergic and written by jesse mccown and jesse mccown has worked on a number of shows over the years but the one most recommended to me which i've never seen an episode of is a show called letter kenny um which has a number of seasons it's a comedy show uh Loads of people have been talking about it over the last couple of years, and weirdly, it's based in small town America. And I was constantly convinced hearing about the show that it was based in Letterkenny in Ireland. Um, <laughs> but just even the people describing that it was about a small town, I was going, oh yeah, the Irish one. But uh, watch the trailer for it uh, when looking up uh, who Jess McCown was. And uh, it is based in small town America and does look quite funny. So I have to check that out. Uh, Jess McCown did two episodes of that. So uh, he has worked on uh, Umbrella Academy before in season one as well. But uh, it's again, first episode for season two. Anybody else seen Letterkenny at all? No. No, that's, that's not, this is one I'm... 
kind of blank on. I know there's also that New Zealand show, Letter Kenny. Oh, is, is it a New Zealand show? Okay, maybe it is. It's, yeah. They all sounded American to me. <laughs> oh. But I'm almost as bad at hearing accents as you are at doing them, Chris. So, uh, so maybe that's Ooh, my fault. Burn. <laughs> John, do you want to give us the True. synopsis for this episode? Sure. As the sit-in protest approaches, Alison reconnects with her brother, Klaus. The Swedes chase Vanya into a cornfield, and Luther makes a distressing discovery. Oh, which he covers up by eating lots and lots of brownies. Oh, I yeah. loved that scene. <laughs> loved it. So good, so good. Uh, as always, we're going to discuss our big moments from the episode, uh, kicking in with our discussion about episode three of Umbrella Academy season two. Um, and hopefully we'll get to cover everything that happened in the episode. But as always, send us in your thoughts if there's anything we missed out and didn't discuss. Um, Chris, do you want to kick us off with your big moment from the episode? I will happily do that. Um, so my biggest point for this episode is I heard a rumor this will be a tough discussion point. Mm. Um, Alison reconnects and then disconnects. Um, so I really wanted to, in my point here, focus on Alison and what happens to her throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we do start to understand more about her. She reconnects with Klaus. Yes. Um, which is fantastic. It's a lovely um, reunion scene, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. You can tell they were always yeah. very close as kids. You can tell that they're a close part of the family. I think, uh, Alison always kind of took care of Klaus and there's that moment when they reconnect. I love how honest it is. Like he's lying in his, in his swimming pool in his massive mansion as she walks in and she just gets instantly into the pool to give him a big hug and say hello. It's a, a lovely moment for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, it, it kind of whole builds on this thing of them all, as you say, in this case, connecting, uh, re-establishing what they had previously, yeah. or or sort of moving on and trying to learn more about their their brother and sister. Um, but yeah, this was a really kind of felt just so natural. Yeah. Um, I I also just yeah. love the fact that Klaus, as always, in getting off the pink lilo in the fairly grotty uh, pool uh, with all the leaves, um, was protective of his drink. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. of course. But surprisingly, we do get one key piece at this point, which is she hasn't used her rumor power up until the end of this episode. That's right. So since for the year plus she has been living in Dallas Mm -hmm. in the past, she hasn't used her power to move forward. Um, So she has met um, her husband. She has not tricked him. She has not used it. It took her three months, I think she says before she could speak again. Mm. Um, or I, I know it was, uh, it was a month plus, yeah. Yeah. she says. I think it was like a month or three I months. I actually almost thought she said she, a year, but uh, it can't I, be a year because yeah. she hasn't been there that long. So uh, yeah. I just can't, I didn't take it down my notes. Yeah, I thought long. it was a year as well. Yeah. I think, she, I thought she said for the first year mm-hmm. um, she couldn't speak or something as uh, vocal cords kind of re- yes. sort of uh, mended, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, yeah. She was, she was the second to arrive, wasn't she? So she's actually been there two years. It's Luther that's been there only a year. So that must be it. So she had that's one it, year sorry, where she couldn't yes. talk and then she met Ray. And I love the way that she says that she doesn't use her powers because she's earned everything that she's got yeah. now. Um, so, so a big contrast really with what happened in the past where she lost her first husband and her, her child because she used her rumor powers on them. So, uh, so she's not using them anymore and she was really happy about the fact that she's earned everything she got, got. I think that's a good yeah. bit of bit for her. Yeah, it's an, a really nice touch actually, yeah. uh, to, to have from her. And I, yeah. you know, it, I think it, I think Alison really had a great 
episode here mm-hmm. as you say uh, i think it's a really good way chris that you say about connecting and disconnecting you know she's she's found out she's not the the only one as we're seeing with a lot of them up from the academy mm-hmm. you know that there's they're realizing their brothers and sisters are in this world and yeah. they're not alone yeah yeah no definitely and the the disconnect part of this was for well before we get to the disconnect mm-hmm. um we do see that the uh, sit-in, the protest, the peaceful protest that the, she has been organizing with Ray and the uh, other members of the African-American community in this uh, hair salon yeah. um, is a sit-in of the cafe or the diner that she first stumbled into mm-hmm. uh, in episode one when she arrived yeah. and they pointedly uh, pointed to the no blacks sign. Yeah. Um, white's only sign, yeah. So yeah. the whites only sign. Mm-hmm. Um, they essentially, she, they are organizing a sit in, uh, before the president arrives of that diner. And nicely, again, it's two things. One, this, this harkens back to, um, an actual real life event that happened in America, mm-hmm. in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina oh, yeah. in 1960s, yeah. where they started, uh, sit ins, um, in Woolworths, uh, lunch counters with slash diners. Right. Um, it was called the Woolworths lunch counter sit in, uh, or the Greenboro sit in. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a real life event and it's just that they moved it to Dallas yeah. for the sake of the TV show. Um, or else, of course, Alison may have taken inspiration from the Greensboro sit ins, uh, to tell the rest of her, uh, of the black people that she's speaking to, to tell them this is how you do a yes. good peaceful protest. And she's aware of how much, uh, how many cameras are going to be in the area because she knows JFK's visit yes. coming up is going to be a big moment in history, really, as well. So, uh, so that scene, as you say, in the barbershop where they're kind of discussing as to whether or not it's going to go ahead because Ray, who has been their leader in the past, is still in prison. So, uh, that, that I think is a great scene, especially for Alison, because I love how powerful a character she's become. Even though she's not using her superpowers, she's able to convince them all just by really using her ability to persuade people, not her super ability, just a regular ability. I love that she uses that to convince them all to go ahead with it, even if Ray can't join them. Uh, I think it's a really good scene for her as well. And as her friend says, behind every good Mm -hmm. man. Um, that was, I didn't even finish the line. Uh, it's just, it was great to see her shoot down via democratic voting Mm -hmm. that, uh, the, through the other gentleman because he very much kind of the, 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 the other man kind of questions, well, why are we listening to you? Exactly. It, it, it does hearken to, well, you're a woman. Mm -hmm. You, you don't, you, you're secondary. And she, First of all, stops that straight yeah. down and kind of like, no, 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 I've been here since the beginning. Absolutely. And I love And the, then the, her friend yeah. is like, well, this is my exactly. shot. Exactly. What are you going to do? Are you going to style yeah. hair from now on? Yeah. I love, I love yeah. that. I think that's a, a, just a, a really good scene. And, and, uh, and given what's been going on in the real world, once again, talking through these kind of characters in a sci fi show, uh, using what's, what's happening in, in their world in the sixties to show how you do a peaceful protest. You know, I know you're going to talk about the protest, protest itself, Chris, but one of the fundamental things that we hear throughout the show is what Ray's belief in how everybody should comport themselves, should conduct themselves to make sure that this is shown as a peaceful protest, nonviolent, um, very specific about how everybody should handle themselves in the situation so that they can't be seen 
to bl- to be for anything other than equality between uh, the black people yes. in this city and the other people in the city. Yeah, it's what dignity and honor is it. is the dignity the term that yeah. she's using throughout this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just the reason I I, I made the uh, kind of I, I named my point. I heard a rumor this would be a tough discussion mm-hmm. point. Was this was filmed last yeah. year, and it's crazy how it harkens to what is currently going on in our real world uh real timeline the the worst timeline 2020 um it's 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 similar to watchmen last year and things like this has always been bubbling under the surfaces and i always find it amazingly i find it prophetic that writers for tv now are able to tap into something that if i in 2020, in 2018, it said, I have this idea about we really want to highlight this. I don't think I, I would have went, well, do we really need to? It's amazing that the writers are able to tap into this current that was yeah. there and really highlight it in a spectacular way. Because when we do move to this, uh, the real, this protest, it, it is peaceful. You have people pouring drinks on them, cans of beer. And I actually, if you look at the real world photos of the Greensboro sit-in, mm-hmm. that's exactly what they yeah. did. They were sitting at a counter and you have these people screaming at them and yelling and still photos, black and white, yeah. but you have another photo of someone pe- pouring a beer on their yeah. head. Yeah. Um, and it, it's so, it's a tough few moments to mm-hmm. watch. Yeah. Um, as it should be. In, in, yeah. But, what kicks off the riot is that um the not so the 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 character you learn to hate is the uh diner owner the man the the chef mm-hmm. he hands a coffee towards Allison and purposely spills it in her yeah. lap yeah uh hot hot coffee no one likes hot coffee um maybe Luke Cage but that's a different <laughs> story um but Sorry, I shouldn't make a joke about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, hot coffee on the lap. Uh, that makes like, Ray yeah. jump up. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the cops use that as a point to kind of really, um, to really take, uh, take them all yeah. out to, to this is, this is the end of the peaceful element. Exactly. And just before that happens, Ray says that he has met. Klaus, because mm-hmm. Klaus does free him. Uh, so I've met your family and your other gigantic lug of a brother. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he also had met Luther. I guess white guy um, he's ever seen. We'll probably yeah. talk about that later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's some really good stuff that happens with Ray there. The freeing of Ray from prison uh, by Klaus and Ben, I think is a really great scene. Yeah. And of course... Klaus being Klaus, throwing his arms around Ray and going, welcome to the family, brother, kind of thing. Is, <laughs> yeah. It must have been really freaky for Ray because he had, would have heard absolutely nothing from Alison as to who his family was. He, he mentions it himself, you know, uh, but to have someone as out there as Klaus uh, being your brand new brother-in-law uh, when you've been married to your wife for a year. Yep, I can understand why he's suddenly going, what is going on? And then, of course, with the visit from Luther, which we will talk about. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I think he's probably going, what have I married into? And he's been there a year, you know? Well, well, that's yeah. what he says, isn't it? It's the family barbecues are about to get really weird. Um, <laughs> which right. from, yeah. that's, Klaus says, I uh, really like that. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I mean, the whole, 
you know that that kind of supernatural with the the floating sandwich mm-hmm. and, and the typewriter kicking off uh, just so good i love all these references to that whole supernatural horror element is, yeah. is really nice um and I, I think it's really good actually that ben is so um there's a lot more of ben in this season i, yeah. I like that uh, a lot Definitely. um you know he he's really um someone who I, I'm, I'm really getting to like even just you know right at the start with klaus effectively blagging his way to stardom <laughs> as the guru where he's being held up by ben uh this kind of to try and show that he can levitate um so I, i'm really enjoying ben's involvement yeah. with klaus in in this season two for definitely, sure definitely yeah um but it does come to uh ray was questioning you were about to said you heard a rumor what happened mm-hmm. when he was uh, referring to when he was getting first arrested yep. uh to allison and she doesn't she brushes it yep. off and it all culminates when they're outside she uses her power to stop the beating of mm-hmm. ray by a white um police officer and he literally he starts freaking out it's like a white officer would never walk away yep. what did you do what did you yep. do and he runs away and she is dragged away by Klaus. So it's a very, the one of the reasons I love Umbrella Academy, especially this season, is the, the distinct dichotomy of the humor and the drama. Uh, it's tackling some hard mm-hmm. issues. It's tackling some serious emotional, um, points with its characters yeah. at the same time at just the position of, Klaus doing funny things, Ben hovering and using supernatural mm-hmm. powers as a ghost, but ghost brother. Um, it's just able to do it yeah. so well and it flips and it doesn't feel out of place. Absolutely. Like that's my core point, which is you're able to do this and it doesn't feel pushed. It doesn't feel. Forced. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm conscious of the audience for the Umbrella Academy being very different to the two shows that we talked about in the last couple of months that were much more aimed at an adult audience. Watchmen, you already mentioned, Chris, which had this as a central core tenant for the show, the, the racism and, and systemic racism in the US uh, throughout history being part of that and of that show. It is absolutely aimed at a much more adult audience we've also talked about it quite uh, specifically within uh, city of angels penny dreadful that we were talking about this year as well uh, another show where it had uh, some very heavy moments about racism but this show is much more aimed at a younger audience uh, in umbrella academy and they've treated it very well where they're absolutely able to get the point across but they don't have to go as in depth as we've seen in those two other shows you know um so this felt much more like uh, i think doctor who did an episode about rosa parks uh, a couple of years ago with the with the new doctor um where it felt like they were able to talk about this to a younger audience without compromising on their concept and what they wanted to deliver about racism in in the us in the 60s particularly so uh, so yeah. i really i have to say fair to them it's a it's a difficult balance to strike when you're uh, trying to get across how difficult it must be for people living in an area where they're not allowed to ride the same bus as other people, where they're not allowed to drink out of the same water fountain as other people, not able to go into a diner and get a cup of coffee. You know, um, I love the line that each one of them, each one of them says as they arrive, Alison walks in and says, I want to be served. I have a right to be served. And each one of the other black members of the community who walk in after says exactly the same line. That is their line. I have a right. I belong here kind of thing. So I think it's a really, a really well judged uh, piece of writing for, for those scenes. 
Definitely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but where this goes from now, is the dam broken? Mm. Uh, is the rumor um, her Alison's secret superhero name, or not-so-secret superhero <laughs> name as the Umbrella Academy uh-huh. child? Uh, is she back? Uh, will we? The one question I do have, and I'll kind of finish my point on this, is we where will we see the superhero Avenger style usage in the last episode? Um, so basically, from the first episode of this, we see all of the characters doing their thing. Mm-hmm. When five jumps into the future, ten day or nine days yeah. from now. Uh, or from this point, uh, they're all using their powers. Uh, Alison herself goes, I heard a rumor that your heads explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and boop. So will we, uh, will we get to the point where everyone is using their powers as much yeah. as that? Because I think that was one of the greatest parts of this season so far. And I want to see. So now the dams are, the dam is broken. Yeah. Will she continue to power or will there be a bit of, I should never use it because my husband doesn't love me and uh, because I'm using rumors. Yeah. So interesting. Perhaps. It's going to be where. And I think it was also really important that she didn't use her powers during the sit-in scene. Like she absolutely could have just walked yeah. into that place and go, I heard a rumor that black people are allowed to eat in your diner and then everything changes because her power creates a different reality for everybody that hears her voice or everybody that she's trying to instruct effectively. At least in the comics, that happens a few times. So I love the fact that she doesn't use her powers. She wants to win equality for people by by having a peaceful protest not by telling them they must do it um so i think that's, that's it, yeah, a, a conscious choice by the writers it is yeah it, and it, it is really interesting because i kind of went down the thought process after watching the show with oh can you imagine if she used her powers mm-hmm. against kind of all the when i say all the bigots and and racists i just i mean like the head of the kkk yeah. or to you know the all all these key people on the other side of that fence um i just thought mm, that'd be interesting it yeah. is a bit you know it's the same as diego wanting to slit hitler's throat with a butter knife yeah. um but i yeah. I, I thought that was kind of you know because that's what it that's the juxtaposition of what she's doing and i think it gives what she does here um that power and i think that it, yeah. that's what's really good when she has that moment to say i've earned everything and mm-hmm. that's including yeah. this this protest exactly. i think um but at the same time you know i i feel really sorry for allison here just with and um, obviously with Ray finding out about her two brothers, um, which he's kind of trying to wrap his head around, uh, as well as then hearing, um, I heard a rumor. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, I really felt for Alison where it feels like it's going to the same point here, uh, at least by the end of this episode, uh, that Ray is probably going to, you know, has got huge doubts about her all of a sudden, uh, in the same way that her husband from the first season, uh, didn't want anything to do with her after finding out about the, uh, the power that she has to influence people. Or the power so, that she used yeah, or the power that she to, used. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important, that, as, as I say, it's a conscious choice of them not to have her use her power because this is the thing that people always struggle with. If I just tell people not to be racist, they won't be racist anymore. Well, that's not the case. They are racists. They need to learn themselves that being racist is wrong. So if Alison had used her power and changed the entire course of human history because 
she used a superpower to change people's hearts and minds. Well, that's not real change. That's not real acceptance. And she knows that in the back of her mind. She yeah. knows I can't just tell people they have to choose for themselves that what we're yes, doing here is exactly. wrong. So, Absolutely. So it's a proper conscious choice, and a great idea for the show, because you're right. You could suddenly develop this lovely alternate utopia caused by something that, that's uh, Alison, the rumor said, you know, uh, but that's not real history and that's not real change. It's, it's an alternative on the, the using of, of time travel to go back and take yeah. out key kind of sort of nasties yeah. really yeah. um in in that sense so that's yeah what we said in that kind of exploration of time travel it is but what about all the good things that came out of even someone as horrific as hitler has allowed people to learn how horrific things can be so that things don't get that bad again so if you take them out do people learn that lesson or does somebody else rise in his place yeah. exactly as bad you know yeah. so it, it's it, it's a really good moment with Alison and it is really tougher the, the the only other thing I kind of was thinking on this is Ray when he hears her do it that this I heard a rumor with the cop yeah. as he's been beaten he does also mention that you know that she said it twice, twice at home mm-hmm. and I couldn't kind of quite remember where I thought he had already been taken out of the um out, out of the house at that stage but I may be wrong, but I was thinking, I didn't think he was able to kind of really spot that. Right. I, I didn't think he should, um, but obviously he did. So I don't know, just a little kind of continuity thing there because yeah. for me, but that, it's yeah. only little. I just didn't think he was there in, in the place to he, see her do that. He was being bundled out of the door, as she said, I heard a rumor. Uh, the second. second time yeah, yeah okay and i think it's it's just such an odd phrase that that's why it's stuck in his mind why why is she saying that's true why is she saying don't arrest my husband she's saying i heard a rumor like what a weird thing to, for her to be saying i suppose so that's probably why it's stuck in his head and uh, she's trying to completely ignore it but now can't ignore it so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the with the two of them and whether when they reconnect um will she exactly. just explain the power um yeah but that's my major mm-hmm. point for this episode. Uh, Johners, what is your major point for this episode? Uh, my major point is moldy tuna, Mamie Pink, and a box of chocolates. <laughs> um, it is Ooh. the loves of Diego, Klaus, and Luther. Mm. Um, I just thought, I, I really like this kind of connection between um the the three guys and actually also ben we we do get to see here um ben has uh, a flame back in san francisco yes. uh, as well but uh i i love the kind of you know it, it goes from with diego it goes from uh leela soldering his wound back um to um them sort of getting uh, passionate as Elias is making his moldy tuna uh, for for them, which just looked pretty grim, to be honest. It, um, it does, even though it's actually molded. Yeah, it? no, exactly. That, 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 it's it's, a, it's yeah. a mold. It's tuna in a mold yeah. in gelatin, um, and it, it just looks absolutely foul. Classic uh, but yeah. I, I love this kind of you know that the passion is um, is developed through pain between uh, Diego and, and Leela here. Right. And uh, I, I kind of really like that um, with the, the, the cushions being thrown at the glass mm-hmm. uh, as Elias is, is putting the final finishing sort of touches to his moldy 
tuna yeah. um and then That's we his ha- bed as well <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't uh, oh, yeah. well I yeah get that out of my mind he's been held captive by these people they've moved into his house and they're having sex in his bed <laughs> while he's supposed to be cooking them dinner you know uh you can see it on his face where he's like oh what do i have to put up with with these aliens <laughs> you know which is effectively what he still thinks they all are i also like the fact that when uh, diego kisses leela she slaps him back and, and and he goes what are you doing i don't understand you at all and then they have sex yeah <laughs> it's a it's she is totally feisty totally weird i love her as a character and can i quick can i spoil the rest of the episode because i'm not don't think anybody has it as a point i'm really disappointed that she's a villain and not just a kooky interesting yeah. person on the side of good i'm i'm kind of sad that it turns out that she is uh the daughter of the handler um i i don't know it's just something about her i was kind of hoping that she'd be someone that you'd get to enjoy throughout the season as just being an extra sidekick to the umbrella I, i'm a bit the same on that as yeah. well um but yeah that is one of the things um is she is the handler's daughter um and i i mean yeah, I, I kind of wish she was just independent of anything to do with either, you know, the Academy, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Seven, and also the Commission. Um, I, I, I would kind of prefer that. I'm hoping now that we do have this reveal that she's the Handler's daughter, that um, she is not going to play the game, but it seems like they have a pretty tight relationship, yeah. to be honest, yeah. uh, Leela and her mother. So um, I'm, I'm hoping she breaks away from that or there's something uh, around uh, what uh, her mum is asking her to do that she doesn't want to, maybe. that maybe she has possibly gotten a soft spot for Diego. I just uh, think her reaction when she gets into that hotel room and that really yeah. soft bed and gets herself some takeout to, yeah. because she's had to live in the squalor that she's had to live in to get close to Diego, you know, get that feeling that she's definitely the handler's daughter. She's willing to do this mission, no it, problem. Yeah, you know? it doesn't look like it will. I do also have to give props to the handler given her string of pearls or that necklace. I was Massive kind of, necklace, yeah. it was pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I quite liked that. Um, for, to be honest, well, I'm going to um, give props to Chris because yeah, he told that, uh, that Lila was, had much too much knowledge uh, in the first episode that she must have something uh, yes. in, on the bad side. And she did mention it in the first episode, just so we can tie it back. She specifically said, I was taught to do this fighting by my mother, who is the handler now. So, exactly. uh, so it was always there, but I just, I kind of like the idea of having a kooky character being uh, being a, a kind of new member of the Academy for season two. So a bit of a shame that we're going to have her as a, as a bad guy that we know about for the rest of the season, I guess. Yeah. My, my, my before John, before you kind of jump forward, my bit with Leela is that I, I'm right there with you. I wish he was just a kooky, mm-hmm. crazy sidekick. Uh, so the, the crazy Robin to Diego's right. Batman. Um, but it's now that she's punchline <laughs> or Harley Quinn. Right. So I think w- if anything, they may go down the Harley Quinn route, which is she is the bad person to a point, And then something happens. She, her mother leaves her. Her mother tries to kill her or stabs right. her to get to the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Very much the Harley Quinn is now an anti-hero working with Batman Maybe. in the comic yeah. books. It's that kind of, at a certain point, you twist the character from an anti-hero to a hero, um, even though they still kill and are crazy. I really wish it wasn't, but it's fine. As long as we still get her crazy kookiness, yeah. it's just a shame that they went down this road. Absolutely. I, I don't really get the impression now, having looked back at the first three episodes, that she would, that she does like uh, five or 
Diego. Um, now, seeing that she's on the other side, I don't think she has any actual connection with them. I, I do feel like she's just going to be bad. Yeah. Um, John, that's kind of your first part of your point is, is Moldy Tuna. Uh, do you want to continue on? Yeah, the, um, the Mamie Pink, uh, I just really liked this, um, Klaus coming back oh, yeah. to, um, to see David from, uh, Vietnam before he goes. And I, I kind of like the, the interaction between him and Ben as well, just that, you know, Ben is basically, you do, you know, is, is this considered stalking? You know, Ben, Ben's view is that Klaus is kind of doing this for the obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get that kind of nice comeback from Klaus, um, that he wants to actually try and stop him from joining up to go and fight in Vietnam because he, he does it, uh, soon after JFK has been assassinated. Yeah. Um, and, and also we get this reveal that, you know, you know, Ben then becomes supportive, and I, I like that between this relationship. That you know, kind of Ben kind of realizes that maybe he uh, misjudged uh, Klaus in in that particular moment. Yeah. But we also do get that reveal of 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 Ben having a a crush um, on one of the ladies that we see right at the the start in the in in the Klaus sort of passion wagon, I suppose, <laughs> um, before um, in, in San Francisco, yeah. uh, and that you know he he's kind of feeling resentful to Klaus for having come back to Dallas but it, it's almost for the same reason that Ben wants to go back to San Francisco and he he, he recognises that so I just really really like the just pure awkwardness of Robert Sheehan here uh, as Klaus in, in the DIY yeah. shop um, it, it is it is really kind of cute and nice mm-hmm. um, that you know he's so awkward um, there's Ben sort of speaking over his shoulder um, you know all I can think of is that Dave is looking um, at him going, who is this weirdo in a sense? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he asks, yeah. are you all right? So I just think this is really a, a nice moment Absolutely. here. Um, Did and you notice the little touch from uh, from uh, Klaus that he's trying to be impressive to Dave as well? Because he's saying he's not looking for paint for his house. He's looking for paint for his upstairs second bathroom just to prove I live in a mansion. <laughs> I'm really rich. You know, it's like he is still trying to be impressive to Dave, even though I don't think he actually is intended to do it, to uh, rekindle their relationship in any way. I think he is genuinely trying to save his life, um, which is really important to Klaus. But I think it's it's it might a be a little scene. bit of column A and column B, to be honest. But um, a little bit, but I. I do, I, I do take Klaus at his word that he's trying to save him. And I, uh, as you say, that moment in the car with Ben where he's going, uh, if he just left me alone for five minutes, I might be able to save this kid's life, you know? Um, and it's something that feels like a mission for Klaus. Klaus was a very lost character in the first season until he was sent back to Vietnam and made, and, and met Dave, uh, the love of his life. And now here he is trying to save him from, from death. I think it's, uh, uh something that, Klaus hasn't had the ability to do in the past, especially these three years that he spent as a guru with everybody worshipping him. Him actually going on a mission to save somebody else's life feels like his first real proper moral choice that he's made in the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a really good scene, though. You're right. And also that, that that gag in there in the in the shop that they don't have any white paint at all. Like, what shop wouldn't have any white paint <laughs> to paint a house? It's like, that's why he gets offered the Mamie Pink. What is Mamie Pink? I've never heard that. My aunt it's is just, called Mamie. I never it's probably that, a so. vivid pink, yeah, which they used to paint bogs in right <laughs> and obviously the touch as well with dave uh saying that it's the little the latrine not a bathroom you know obviously on his way to the army so <laughs> nice touches a uh, very quick uh-huh. one were those were the war scenes from vietnam new or was that all no i think that was from last season because i remember that scene it just looked like there was one or two new ones so i wondered did they maybe use some 
some new footage Maybe. that they've previously filmed yeah. or some off footage because it was just I I remember that episode and I just don't remember some of the other parts yeah. of it. Um so I remember the ending where they get yeah. shot and he loses date, but I just don't remember. I the know rest. there's a few flashes to it when himself and Diego visited the VA uh, bar. He had yeah, a few yeah. extra flashes to it, so maybe some other off-cut scenes from that, or other uh, maybe other takes of those scenes. Um, but yeah. yeah, definitely fit in with that footage. So yes. yeah, um, yeah. No, no specific conversations back from Vietnam. So yeah, and then of course, like there's Luther here, which um, mm-hmm. it, it's more that he, you know, he, we see him jogging, and he kind of thinks he's seen Allison. I suppose the the thought that he he knows that Vanya and Number Five are here. Then you know he asks his boss to try and track down Alison Hargreaves, and uh, I kind of just like the fact that he turns up with chocolates to to her house, and and then is immediately confronted with the reality that she's married to the guy who's speaking to, her and she she's not home. And uh, I think. Uh, Again, it's just that other downer for for Luther, and I think his kind of chocolate comfort eating <laughs> um, and the meltdown that he kind of has at yeah. Ray's kitchen table um, is just really good. Yeah. You know, the, the whole speaking with his mouth full, and it's like, yeah, I'm really happy. It was so so well done by Tom Hopper, and mm-hmm. um, that I really, I just thought it was really nice. And of course, leading him to kind of throw that match for for his his boss Jack, mm-hmm. uh, that idea that you know he just is now wanting to feel pain. Um, so I I thought that was really kind of a, a nice little bit of development for yeah. Luther. Um, and yeah, that that scene of eating the chocolate was was fab for was. me. It was, it was really was. funny. Lovely directorial touch from Stephen Sergic in the scene where he gets punched and flies backwards and he sees the moon uh, above him as he falls to the ground. I think that was a, a lovely touch because it's almost like he's saying, I wish I was back there. I know I was lonely up there, f- up there for four years on my own, but at least I wasn't hurt by uh, by Alison kind of thing. I think it's, a, it's a, all in just one scene and beautifully captured. Yeah, and he, he had a purpose. It, yeah. Even though he he didn't know that it was meaningless, meaningless <laughs> he had a purpose and yeah. it feels, you know, um, I think kind of what I was mentioning with in episode about episode two, you get the sense he's lost. He, he feels he doesn't have a purpose. Uh, And this is again, another kind of nail in that coffin, Mm -hmm. really, uh, that actually Alison seemingly has, has gone off and found a purpose for herself with someone else. Uh, Maybe hasn't come looking for him and and that kind of thing. Um, It's all sort of just more mounting pressure for him. Yeah, exactly. And we we did hear in episode one from Elliot that he came back regularly to that that uh, alleyway and called out Allison's name over and over again, waiting for her to come back and save him. Uh, and now he's kind of resigned to the fact that he's alone. But of course, learning that she's uh, actually there. Yeah, but uh, but really good scenes uh, in there as well. Yeah, totally. That kind of is on the love story elements for this episode, for the Valentine's Day episode of. Uh, of yeah, Academy. definitely. Um, <laughs> very sad Valentine's Day. Very. Uh, yeah. But Derek, what's uh, what's your big point? I think just the Swedes. Uh, it's the Swedish job is the name of the episode. The Swedes attack on Vanya um, in this episode um, because we see Vanya's powers are still there, even though she doesn't remember them. We see them for the first time in this episode as she's under attack. Yeah. Very similar to what happened in season one when she discovered her powers for the first time. Um, it's here that we have uh, them attacking her in the cornfield. 
just have to say it's one of my favorite locations for horror or sci-fi as a cornfield. Uh, I think it's used so well here and I love every movie that's used it. I love how they use this idea of uh, really tall plants and you can't see the people around you as you're running away from the people that are chasing you down. I think it's always cool to watch. But uh, as they finally get to her and um, the lead Swede, as we'll probably call them, uh, takes a shot at her. She disintegrates the bullet uh, right in front of him by using her powers and then leaves this massive uh, kind of crop circle in the middle of, of the uh, of the cornfield, taking out all three of the Swedes. Um, I, I really like this. I love that overhead shot of it as well, where we see the three of them chasing her down and then the overhead shot later on where we see the kind of eye of the storm where Vanya would have been with a black mark and then surrounded by the kind of eyeball of the uh, explosion diameter. Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah. <laughs> I did. You, do you think that's a joke on a crop circle? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, okay. So she is. She is the originator of crop yeah, circles. It's, it's, I think we're gonna get all those funny type of kind of like kins at aliens, every stuff that we know that originated in the sixties yeah. that they were the cause of. And it, it links I to the UFO gonna... and the the flying saucer. It's that idea of that that sixties. Uh, you know the UFOs, the crop it came circles, from exactly. Outer space. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, it's a really good, um, it's a really good visual seeing yeah. it from above. Um, although whether it looks like an eye or a nipple, um, I don't know. <laughs> With, just because it's got that crater, I don't want to know about your inverted. Oh. Well, it's got that crater. Crater-ed. It's got that crater in the middle, so it, it kind of looks like an eyeball or or maybe an umbrella from above, maybe. Oh, Possibly, there you, go. Yeah. you know. Weirdly, we saw there we saw an go. interview this week with some uh, some farmers in the UK who've come up with a way of of planting an entire field by computer to make a crop circle or make a maze. I think it was that they were doing a maze, um, maze, yeah, a maze, maze. That's it. Uh, so they they effectively program in their design into a computer and let the seeding system uh, drive back and forth across a field, and then two or three months later, suddenly the field grows into. Uh, a maze so you can now make crop circles from scratch like that well so and you don't the, need superpowers you just need a computer and a, a good machine well and there was the whole hoaxes as well yeah. from i think it was late 70s early 80s and mm-hmm. um, i can't movie, remember their names Britain, but and the movie signs yeah, yeah but the, the there was the whole thing that actually then you just had a lot of hoaxes going out and doing crop circles or yeah. different patterns more elaborate patterns yeah. um to build on the kind or of mythology no i definitely they think they owned up to it. i can't remember their names now but uh, yeah it's 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 just that really nice kind of little conspiracy absolutely. and hoax element to it absolutely yeah absolutely no i definitely think they owned up to it but i do think in this scene here we have the swedes taking their opportunity out to try and take out uh, Vanya, now that she's powered up, probably not going to have another opportunity to take her out, I would say. Uh, if they've survived, I, I presume they've survived. Uh, we didn't see any of them die, but just we see her in the aftermath. We see her curled up in a ball um, and Five's yeah. the one that finds her. We don't know whether they've survived this uh, this Swedish job effectively, but um, I guess we'll see that in a, in a future episode. But uh, will they ever get another opportunity? Will anybody ever get another opportunity to take out Vanya now that she knows she has powers and she is massively powerful again. But does she? Because she does say, like, what happened here. It's like she's absolutely has no kind of recollection, even in in that real short-term memory, that she was the one behind that. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of interesting, because certainly when you couple that to number five, as you say, 
giving her her posse's history. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's kind of my other, my other point about this was that conversation between Five and Vanya, where he blankly tells her, uh, very sterilely tells her the history of the Umbrella Academy and her involvement and the superpowers that she has. And you kind of wonder, you know, yesterday, this was a woman that was taking care of a special needs child in a home with a family that didn't know her. She didn't know anybody at all. Nobody knew her name. And then today she suddenly learns all about the superpowers that she has and that she lives in a family of superpowered people uh, and that she has a massive power, uh, all told to her by this guy that she's never met before, a, a kid who's who looks 13 and is actually 60 years old. You know, it's kind of, I love yeah. that scene because once again, um, it's delivered so well by the character of Five. Yeah. No, I also like that he he gives her the the sanitized version of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. What caused the apocalypse? An asteroid. Not that she caused the That's apocalypse. That's true, yeah. So I think that will come into play yeah. later when one of the maybe Klaus will let it drop in or something yeah. like that, or uh, Alison will turn against her or and kind of go, "Why you caused it?" it like, and that yeah. will cause an element to it. Um. I do think that's going Can to be I just ask that question again? I know we talked about it in our season one review. Did she cause the apocalypse or was it the rest yes. of the Umbrella Academy trying to stop her from causing an attack on Earth that led to the apocalypse? Because that's, that's kind of the feeling that I got. I got that it was Luther Diego, Five, and Klaus and Ben all attacking her that shot her powers at the moon, which ended off causing the apocalypse. Whether she would have actually actually created the apocalypse if they hadn't attacked her then maybe but by it by it shooting her powers at the moon and cracking off a section of it coming back down to earth i think all of the umbrella academy were responsible for the apocalypse trying to stop what they thought was her causing the apocalypse would that be yeah definitely that would be correct but that's also that's like history is written by yeah, the absolutely and they um, jumped right out so of history I, and went back in time <laughs> exactly so it, it's kind of potato p- tomato potato right uh whatever way you want to kind of like so potato and tomato are actually two different words (laughs) they certainly are so uh, exactly so it's two different viewpoints but of different things that would be yeah yes exactly um tomato (laughs) potato tomato um but yeah no i i think that was brilliant and again i just i just need to call out how much i love Number mm-hmm. five, just his character in this. It's again, the actor plays that 50 something year old man really so does. well. Really does. You know, you all have that curmudgeonly old kind of mentor guy in a lot of films and stuff. Um, I, I'm re, I'm waiting to rewatch Highlander with Sean Connery. Okay. Um, where, and I just, I get the feeling that like that's, who he's channeling, yeah. that commodity old mm-hmm. man who's lived too much, too yeah. long. On his um, own as yeah, well, which is why he's not very good with other yeah. people. <laughs> um, we also got confirmation here from Vanya that it was the bullet, uh, in her brain because she, that has knocked out her memory, not the car accident. She arrived in the sixties with her brain ringing, not with no memory and then got knocked down is what she says. So, uh, so it seems like that bullet that, uh, went past her ear and exploded by her ear uh, at the end of season one is what caused the memory loss. So, uh, so good to good to at least see some kind of uh, reference to that. But she doesn't know; she's not a doctor. But uh, good to see some kind of reference to that at least. No, well, see, that's the the intro. Like, 
that shouldn't have been. Basically, they just fired a shot beside mm-hmm. your ear. Um, so again, I'm thinking there actually is no damage per yeah. se. She, basically, her head was ringing. The last thing she remembered. It's kind of like the it's selective amnesia. It's not. It's not chosen. Yeah. It. She's blocking it. Well, she remembered her name, and um, uh, she remembered yeah. most other things. She says she didn't remember anything before that date, but she obviously remembered a few things. Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe just a combination of having that happen to her and then getting knocked down by a car uh, could have could have been it. Um, any other bits of the episode we haven't talked about that you guys want to talk about? Uh, just my quickly point on the Swedes is that I do think what we'll see is them being damaged. So in the previous episode, we had seen them drinking that silver uh-huh. milk uh, in a, or silver liquid in a milk yeah. bottle. Um, are they androids will be a good question yeah. to answer. And the now. knife going into the um, leg of, it, uh, of one of them as well without much reaction yeah. and disappointment that the yeah, game didn't go true. well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So maybe this is, this is something that kind of heals them. So we'll see them kind of slightly damaged, uh, in the next couple of episodes, drinking more of this milk, mm-hmm. silver milk, whatever we want to yep. call it to, to repair themselves. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, anything else, John, from you about the episode itself before we go on to notes? No, I think that was everything uh, that I had, yeah. Um, two references from me in the episode to apocalyptic movies or apocalyptic uh, comics <laughs> that, that I that I noticed <laughs> anyway. Um, one was after Luther is going out for his run uh, from his uh, home for single men. Uh, we have a guy standing outside, um, homeless guy. I thought it was the same homeless guy from episode one, but it's not. Uh, but he's holding up the end is nigh sign, uh, which I take as a reference now anytime I see it to the Watchmen. But I'm sure the Watchmen was referencing uh, people holding placards saying the end is nigh. Uh, I take it as, as yes. the Watchmen now uh, at this stage. So I, I, I think that's their reference in there to uh, to the Watchmen. Uh, the other one, and it's a little bit obscure, but I think if you if you know film well, and I know Stephen Sergic knows film, um, I think it's a reference to the very apocalyptic uh, 12 Monkeys, um, where we have Elliot sitting, uh, reading the paper and eating his breakfast and a magnifying glass over his mouth while he's eating. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just a, a very... A specific scene that's in uh, 12 Monkeys. You have all of the scientists who are sending uh, Bruce Willis's character back to find out what happened to cause the apocalypse. They all have magnifying yep. glasses over their eyes and mouth while they're having that conversation. I don't know. I'm sure it was just a choice from Stephen Sturgeon, but I think it was a reference to uh, to 12 Monkeys there. So that's my apocalyptic references for the episode. Nice. <laughs> Makes sense to go. me. Uh, John, is anything? Um, the only note uh, is just as we were talking, I just looked up. The pranksters were Bauer and Chorley, who claimed to have done about 200 uh, crop, circles crop circles with a, with planks of wood, string, and uh, and all this. Um, and uh, that kind of then created this whole crop circle artist craze where people did more intricate mm. kind of stuff. Like, like you, as you say, to the point now where it's tapped into a GPS uh, and a and the the seed planting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, one final thing, I'm slightly disappointed also about uh, where Leela goes into the pet shop and. All that actually happened was that her mother left the key to her hotel room in the uh, in the fish tank. 
Um, it wasn't to do with the fish being connected to uh, to a speaking fish or anything like that. There was no there was no yeah. supernatural or sci fi things that were going on there. It was just that she stuck a key into the box. I don't know why I was disappointed. I was just expecting so much more. Probably because we had a talking fish in the last episode. I was expecting that uh, the instructions were left kind of Mission Impossible style, uh, where she would go in late at night and the fish would tell her instructions. Is that me being weird, or is that has the show just led me to that after episode two? It seems plausible. Uh, no, I think it's just a show. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think we're going to, it's question everything. The truth yeah, is out there. Just didn't expect it to be in the box in the, in the fish tank. Anyway, maybe there's me. Um, that's it for our notes. What did you think of the episode overall, John? Um, yeah, I, I really liked this episode. I liked how it was starting to come together. I give this, um, four and a half dicks, drugs and debutantes out of five. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I loved how it kind of all started coming together. Um, um, I think, you know, with Alison's moment, which was really kind of such a, a big moment and um, yeah, this both being happy and distraught through her connections and disconnects, as Chris was saying, uh, really, really good. Um, I love this, the, the exploration of the different loves of Diego, Klaus, Luther, and also to some extent, Ben. And yeah, the, the Swedes and Vanya getting a bit, another piece of the puzzle or dare I say it, the whole puzzle from number five um, with him really, uh, as you say, giving an entire potted history. <laughs> but, you know, she's still a bit in, in the dark here, mm-hmm. I think. Um, uh, I, I was surprised this idea that she just didn't quite recollect her crop circle um, art uh, and <laughs> in, in terms of repelling the Swedes and, yeah, to see what effect her power has had on them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed how this was going, and I can't wait to get into what is it, episodes four, five, and six now. Those uh, are our next ones. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Chris, what did you uh, think of, of this episode? Yeah, uh, I, I'm overall very happy with this episode. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed. I, I probably I'll reserve final judgment in mm-hmm. Leela, um in how they chose to go with that. I believe in these writers. Um, if they're choosing to show her, uh, kind of two-faced, um, elements already, mm-hmm. then there's probably a reason. Um, but I can't see why. So I'm interested to see how that all kind of expands over the next while. Um, I think one of the core and key things that they're going to do is I think they will hopefully explore this kind of the, uh, the history of African Americans in the sixties. Mm-hmm. I think they'll, they'll probably, that will be tapped into more with Ray being there with Allison and the fallout of her using her powers. But I think they'll do that. They may not. They, this may be the end. There may be one or more episode with mm-hmm. Ray and it's the breaking. And then that's the heartbreaking for Allison. And we have to build her Maybe, back up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. But overall, really enjoying it, loving what they're doing with this, and uh, loving all the cheesy references. It's just so much mm-hmm. fun. Um, it really reminds me of there was a game called Destroy All Humans mm-hmm. uh, set from the early Xbox, uh, and it's actually even now on. Uh, it's being re-released. Um, but it, it's fun to see 
that that kind of I don't know the sixties yeah. retro kind Aliens of attack. the time even the music is mm-hmm. fantastic yeah yeah music from um, I just definitely agree all time uh, in the episode but that's because they're time travelers they could use whatever music they want to use really but uh, yeah I love that opening with uh, with Benny from uh, from uh, Boney M as the the song that was playing all the way throughout uh, Robert Sheen's place uh, definitely the cult leader it re- uh, really good yeah. absolutely I I remember as a kid I absolutely loved. Um, I think it was from the late fifties, but it was called the invaders. Um, it was about aliens that mm. took human form and was spotted by one. And it was like classic circular UFO. Um, I think it was yeah. in black and white actually. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, maybe not, but anyway, it, yeah, that whole vibe of that sixties feel, um, is just really good. And certainly the sci-fi stuff I'm really enjoying. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Derek. Those are my thoughts. What about you? What did you think about this episode? Really enjoyed this episode. As I said, the pitching of the uh, of what the story they're trying to tell to the audience they're telling it to, I think, is really well handled. Um, you know, we've as I yeah. said, we've seen a number of examples talking about uh, systemic racism in America in the in the shows we've covered. Um, really important topic to get across, and really important that it's in if it wants to be talked about that in these types of shows that it's pitched in the right way to the audience looking to speak to. Uh, it was handled well and wasn't undercut by comedy or anything like that. Um, I th- Yeah, I think they did a really good job with that. Uh, I loved um, the history of uh, poor Klaus uh, as he gets further and further from his dream of just being able to coast through life. Uh, I love that point where he gets to, um, with the worship that he's getting from the cult members, uh, completely turning him off and him running away. I think it's uh, it's it feels... Uh, like a really interesting journey that he's gone through to get to the point that he's at. And I love that it all turns into this story that actually he's trying to save the man that he, that he loved uh, when he gets back to, uh, to Dallas, because that's the only kind of historical point he knows from Dave's history before the war was uh, he signed up in Dallas uh, just after JFK was killed. So, uh, so I like, I like that they are using a lot of knowledge of these characters from season one to inform what they're doing in season two. And I like that they're building on their stories and creating them as even better characters for this season. So, so far three episodes in, I think uh, all the characters are better uh, for the second season. So yeah. Yes. Agreed. John, let's get back over to our pop quiz, pub quiz uh, at the carousel club. Yes. Uh, welcome back fellow Broly dollies and Academy alumni to the carousel club pop pub quiz. Yes, we're on to episode three. Um, You can send in your answer to the question to feedback at Mm -hmm. tvpodcastindustries.com. The question is, what is the name of the pet shop that the handler goes in to in 1963 to leave her message for her daughter? Oh, yes. Very good. Very good. That's on the that's on the front window. By this stage, three episodes in uh, to your listening to the podcast, I should have it up on the website, tvpodcastindustries.com slash UA pub quiz, and you should get the questions that we've asked so far on this season. Pop over there. John, do you want to get in the question Makes one sense. more time? Sure. What is the name of the pet shop the handler goes into in 1963 to leave her message for her daughter? Excellent. Excellent. Yep. Pop in the answers to all the questions. The person who gets the most answers right will get some Umbrella Academy goodies at the end of the series. Yes, they will. But gentlemen, we have come to the end of episode three of Umbrella Academy. Listeners, 
fellow Academy alumni. Thank you for joining us. We hope you say subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy what you hear, why not share it with your friends? Go find fellow classmates and share the podcast because sharing the podcast is sharing mm-hmm. the love. Don't forget you can subscribe over on tvpodcastindustries.com and all good and evil podcast catchers as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. But if you have a book, to spare not a book a dollar to spare why not head on over to patreon.com slash tv podcast industries where you get some goodies for being a patreon of us and helping us keep the lights on but if you don't have a dollar to spare fear not we know times are tough for everyone so just sharing the podcast leaving a review or anything along those lines is always welcome absolutely and remember we're releasing the episodes of our umbrella academy season two coverage early over on uh, over on patreon so if you subscribe over there you'll get the episodes as soon as we release them yes and we'll be back next time with our discussion about umbrella academy season two episode four thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon thanks so much for joining us we'll be back next time yeah thanks everyone keep watching keep listening and keep comfort eating Mm. (laughs) comfort eating we've been doing a lot of that during covid really haven't we all (laughs) i think i need to do some comfort jogging pretty soon to be honest yeah absolutely on the spot (laughs) or uh, comfort uh was it bare knuckle boxing in a ring yeah that didn't seem to take off much weight off uh, off um it took blood weight (laughs) absolutely thanks so much for joining us talk to you again next time bye bye